Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to church. How's everybody doing? Doing okay? Hey, thank you so much just for being with us on a Sunday, whether it's your first time. I know that's a little bit scary sometimes to come out to a new place and you never know what you're going to get. And Or if you know, you're here every weekend, we still love it that you're here. It's way better when you're here. We'd rather you be here. So thank you for being here. So um, this past Friday, Friday is our Sabbath, my family's Sabbath. And we went up to Lake Geneva. We're sitting there. It's a beautiful day. We're sitting there on the kind of on the grass right before the beach. And we get to talking like Carter people do from time to time. And my daughter says, okay, just imagine, what do you do if the zombie apocalypse starts right now? Now, this is a pretty common conversation around my table, okay? Because, you know, we we think about that kind of thing. Now, some of y'all like slouching down in your seat. You're like, what church did I just come to? Do they believe in the zombie apocalypse? You just saw Midnight Mass, and you're like, oh, my word, this is real. No, we don't really believe in the zombie apocalypse, but it's still fun for us to talk about um, because it helps me as, as a guy think through, do I have enough? Would I be the guy that could make it through? And in the zombie apocalypse, just so you know what this is, okay, this means pretty much all your friends turn into zombies and start eating people, okay? And your, your mission is to not die, okay? And also, like, civilization is going to break down, okay? So you have to, like, you're going to have to start finding food. You're going to have to, you know, it's a real survival thing. Now, we're in Lake Geneva, and so I'm like, well, Ed Yee is close by, and he's got guns. So I think that's, that'd be our first place that we would go, you know? And I know some of y'all are like, oh, I don't like guns. Well, you like zombies even less, so um, we'd still go to Ed's, okay? And we'd get some guns. But one of the things I love about that conversation is it brings clarity right away. Like instantly, you're like, what really matters on earth? What do I really need? Okay, and then, you know, you're just thinking about how that's going to go. And I think it's interesting because when COVID started, we had a similar, you know, conversation, at least in our head. Like we found out right away what people value and what they don't, what we value and what we don't, because I know some of you, as soon as that started, like, you didn't know what was going to happen. You don't know where this is going to go. And one of your very first thoughts was toilet paper. <laughs> I don't know. I, the world might be ending, but my keister's going to need some three ply. So I am willing to fight people and push them down in the store because that is what I value. That's what I want to make sure my next however long is going okay. Now, I know that that's being a little bit silly, but there is something about moments of transition that show us what we really value. In moments of transition, we kind of let go of everything that's not completely essential. And we say, well, what do I need to get by? And I want to give you guys some props and some applause because even though we've been in a moment of transition, you guys clearly value the next generation because you've now completed the For Those to Come campaign. And that says a lot about what you value. Let me just remind you what this was about. Do you remember when we started this three years ago? Our building was in a little bit different shape. You know, it just wasn't updated the way it needed to be. And we said, we've got to make this more appealing if we want to be able to continue to make disciples over the years. And we said, the greatest impact that each generation can have is to pass, to set up the next generation really well. 
And that's what you guys did. Now, even though there was a global pandemic, you still raised, even though we kind of lost a year almost of raising funds, you still raised 75% of our goal. And that was 549,577. That's just a big deal, man. That was a lot. So I think you should give yourself a round of applause. Can we just review? Can we go back in time and kind of see like where we were and where we've come to? So if you go back in time a little bit, you know, there's, there was just a lot to, everybody remember the fishbowl? You know, that, that was all there, okay? And we had to, you know, it was great for its time, but we had to move forward. We just had to update a lot of stuff. And we slowly started to pack in new equipment into here. Even today, you can see new equipment that has just been brought in and installed. We've got this new screen. You can see cameras over here now. You want to see something that'll blow your mind. Um, I went back into what, yeah, there's, there's Fierce Kids, so you got that. Yep, new Fierce Kids rooms, um, new uh, onboarding station. This is my favorite. I'm, I'm sorry, I have a favorite, okay? So we would go visit other churches in years past, and I would always walk into this room of theirs, and I'd be like, I'd start drooling. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like something from the future. I feel like I'm in the enterprise when I'm in this room. And now we have one, okay? So, So y'all did that, so I'm, I'm just really excited. But all this isn't about looking cool. It is about being able to continue to value making disciples as time goes by. And that's what you guys did, and I'm just super proud of it. So we're going to keep going. You might remember that we said this is going to come in two phases. So we just finished phase one, and there's still you know, we're not even all done with phase one in terms of we're done with the campaign, but we're not done building everything that's supposed to be in here. I'm told even like next week our lights are going to get a whole lot better. There's brand new sounds. You saw that awesome, strange-looking desk in the back. Like, there's all kinds of just cool upgrades that are already making life easier for those of us who have to do stuff in this auditorium. But all that to say, we're not even done. There's more to come, but we're going to take some time off because I just really believe you can't always be taking the next hill. We've got to like rest and relax, and we're in a moment of transition because the truth is, have any, has anybody noticed we're, we kind of like almost got done with COVID and then we didn't. Like, it seemed like around May or June, it was like, are we, are we, is this, are we done? And then boom, nope, nope, Delta. And so, and so there, we're just in this moment where when you're in transition, you're not where you're going to be, but you're not where you used to be. You're just somewhere in the middle, and you don't know what to grab onto. So we're going to take some time. We're going to take about a year off, and we're just going to say, what is happening to the world? And how do we need to adjust for what is going to happen to the world? But here's what we're going to know you guys are going to continue to value the next generation because that's what you've demonstrated and that's what we need to, and we need to get stronger and stronger. And we've got some tech stuff that's kind of fun now. I'll be real honest with you. We don't even have enough people to run all the new tech stuff we have. Like we just can't even use some of it because we, while we may have a little bit more sexiness on the outside, we don't have enough strength on the inside. That's really where we're at right now. So let's start with our text. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, God saved you by his grace, when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. That's, those are pretty famous verses, okay? That's, that's an encapsulated version of the gospel. That's like the raw deal. There's more you could say about it, but you've got to at least say that about it. Meaning there's absolutely nothing that we can do to commend ourselves to God. It's got to be all God. God just straight up forgives us. We're not bringing him any merit. He just says, okay, you believe, then I'm giving you the gift of salvation. But that's supposed to transform us 
and change our orientation to life, which brings us into verse 10. And this is where we're going to spend a lot of our time today. For we are God's masterpiece. Somebody say masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Here would be an enemy of everything that God wants to do in our church over the next three, five, ten years. It's a wicked thing called consumerism. Consumerism is the enemy of purpose. Consumerism completely hijacks what God wants to do. Now, we can't even really stop it on some levels because we're in a consumeristic culture. That's where we are. That's where we are in the U.S. That's what we value. But let me read you a definition here of consumerism. It's preoccupation with acquiring and protecting consumer goods or even intangible things like time. It's a cluster of sins. It's greed. There's, you know, layers of selfishness in it. There's layers of arrogant entitlement in consumerism. But at the end of the day, it's really just saying, this should be about me and it's for me and my agenda, my overriding purpose is to get more and consume more and devour more. And what it does is it actually makes us more and more selfish the more we give into it. It is this uh, thing that where we, we need it to be instantly helpful to us or instantly about us or we're going to lose interest over time. And it's a real danger for the church especially in America. See, and th this is the dark side of, of a, lot, a lot of the stuff that we've invested in, in this building through this campaign. It's like, hey man, let's, let's, look, let's upgrade some stuff so people can come in and, and they can be more comfortable and it can be a little more like an environment that they understand and, and are familiar with. And that's good. And honestly, it's good because they're starting as consumers. That's where they are. That's what they're used to. That's what every place in business that wants their business is aiming at is reinforcing the idea that they're a consumer. And that's where we are. It's just that when we begin to grow up and mature in Jesus Christ, we have to recognize, okay, that was, that was maybe helpful to make people feel welcome, but it's not the right heart set for us to foster as we grow into layers of maturity. It's really not supposed to be about us. And the more that we practice the heart set of consumerism, the more we become consumers. That's how it works. I mean, it's how it is with any virtue or vice. Right? Like if you just start and you say, every day I'm going to try to be just as honest as I could possibly be. And then at the end of the day you evaluate how honest was I, did I tell the truth. Over time, because you're practicing being honest, you would become a more honest person. That's how that works. Now if you practice being angry, how many know that's a bottomless pit? If you practice being angry, it is not going to be very many days. And you're going to slowly transform into this weird werewolf angry person. Because that's how, it, as we practice it, it reinforces it. And as we practice consumerism, even subconsciously, we, be, we think more and more about, what about me? How does this affect me? What do I think about this? How, how am I benefited? And if I'm not really benefited, okay, I'm out. And so, like, saved ideals, like long-term faithfulness, and like laying down your life when there is no benefit for you, those don't have the chance to develop. They definitely don't have the chance to prosper. So, I got some bad news. Here's the bad news. You're already consumeristic. You've already got the disease. It's in you. What we've got to do is with God's help, we've got to 
We can't get rid of it probably entirely, but we can decide, as for us, we're going to push back against it. We've got to transform from a consumeristic church just into a different kind of a church. So let's pretend that there's a family of 10. There's just, just 10 family members, okay? And they're, they've packed their suitcases. they got all their luggage. they got all their stuff, but they don't got a car, so they've got to walk to the airport. So just imagine where you live, and from there, you're going to walk to O'Hare. 10 people. Now imagine, with all that luggage, only two people carry the luggage. That seems like going to get pretty tiring after a while, right? That's going to seem like, why? Why are we choosing to do it this way? This is really way too long for us to be able to sustain this. So I want to give you some harder news, but I know that you can handle it because you're an awesome, really fierce church. 32% of the people who attend this church serve. That means 68% don't understand serving as a thing disciples should do. I don't mean they're not nice. I don't mean they're not loving. But I mean, Jesus was super clear. I don't know if you remember this. He gets down on his knees and he washes the feet of his disciples. He says, as I've done to you, you do to others. And as you do this, you're going to be blessed. And by this, all people are going to know that you're mine. What that tells me is there's something wrong with our discipleship here. Meaning, like, we're getting a 32% out of 100 in terms of fostering the value of sacrificially laying down our lives to serve others within the context of the local church. We've already got the disease of consumerism. And what that does, it reinforces selfishness. It makes, as we saw with the people on their way to the airport, makes everything harder. On the folks that are carrying the luggage, it's way heavier. It makes everything way more inefficient because there's not enough people to do all the things. And so what could be isn't because there's, really, there's strength available, but it's not being used. It leads to burnout because the folks that are carrying all that luggage, like they, they can't sustain this very long. There's no, one, there's no one on deck to come bring any kind of relief. Here's what else it messes up. It messes up the gift development of the people sir, of who should be serving. Like there's, there's places God wanted to grow them and stretch them and challenge their faith. But he can't because they're not taking Jesus seriously when he says, no, I, I, like I'm, I'm serious about this. This is what I want you to do. I want you to serve others in a way that is not necessarily convenient for you. So since we came back um, last summer, back from COVID, we started meeting physically again. Fierce Kids has been killing it. But do you know they can't even come to church when they serve? Because there's only one service. Now, there used to be two services, and that was our way. Like, they would, hey, man, you sit one, you serve one. We, you need to be in the Word. Like, we need, we need for everybody to be hearing God's Word. But they can't because they're taking care of kids. Now, that's not how it has to be. We could go to two services tomorrow if we didn't have 32% only of our people serving. Like, that would be totally possible. We can't, how would you, how, how do you think your car would run? If 32% of your engine worked, how far do you think you're going to get? Does that sound like a good bet? Are you even going to leave the home? Probably not, because you don't have a lot of confidence. Can you imagine? I mean, guys, I really believe God moves here every weekend, but can you imagine what he could do 
if we engaged the other almost 70%? Like, how would that go? What would happen? So what we've got to do, and, and here, here's reality. Guys, I hope you know this. We're a smaller church than we were before COVID, as is most of the churches of America. The, the stats that I follow say the church decreased by 30% and just never came back. What that means is there was, there was people who, you know, they, they maybe liked church, they went for one reason or another, but they didn't see church as something they must hang on to through a moment of transition. It was like, yeah, I can leave that, man. I've got other stuff to do. What that means is every church in America is weaker. And, and you know, on some levels, it's good because the people there, they really want to be there. But on other levels, it, just, it still means, yeah, but there's, it, it takes more muscle to do the same things now because some are gone. So we, we've got to become a church that serves. Let's pull this verse apart, but we're going to go to the, to the ESV. This is a word-for-word word translation. The previous one was a thought-for-thought, thought, and you need both. It's helpful to have both. But this better represents the original language. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Somebody say good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we sh- should walk in them. I think you guys are going to be quiet during this message. Um, anytime the church is getting some harder, crunchier stuff, like they're just quiet. So do me a favor, those of you who really love me, give me some loud amens to make up for the ones that, you know, they, they want to say it, but they're, they're being dealt with by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> for we are his workmanship. We are. Isn't this what everybody on the planet is looking for? What am I? What is my identity? Here's your identity. You are God's workmanship. You are God's. God's. You're not yours. You are God's. And you're his workmanship. That means when he puts you together, he thought you up with care and designed you very specifically to be who you are. He had a picture of all that you would be. I don't mean humans, I mean you. All that you would do. All that you would be able to do. He called you out of chaos. He created you in Christ Jesus. He brought order to you, and he even gave you a spiritual frame. He wasn't happy to just have a body, or just have you be able to run some apps in your body, No, he gave you a spiritual apparatus that must be and enjoys most communicating with the living God. That's how he made you. And he didn't just design just, you know, some different tasks you would run or whatever. He invented how you would exist in this world. And the way that you would exist is you'd be in connection with him in Christ and you would do good works. And those good works, good works are actions that we take that aren't just actions. They're not even just friendly. They're virtuous. They're generous. They're pushing back on the kingdom of darkness. They are expressing the personality of God as we go. I hear from people all the time, man, I'd sure like to know what God wants me to do. Oh, you do? You want to know what God wants you to do? It's right here, yo. This is where it is. It's good works. It's virtuous, upright, generous actions that you take in order to glorify him, which God prepared beforehand. He prepared it beforehand. He picked it out. Before you even showed up on the planet, he'd already mapped the whole thing out for you. He said, I'm going to choose for them what's the very best. 
the very best particulars for their personality. I'm going to give them the right inclinations. I'm going to put the right gifts in them to do exactly the specific good works that I want them to be doing in context. He planned out ahead of time what you would do, even the where you would do it. When my kids were just like toddlers, okay, when each one was, was a toddler, my, my wife would have this thing called structured playtime. She'd create these little stations, you know, around the home. She'd have like one place over here, okay, there's going to be a little bit of reading here for 20 minutes, and then there's going to be blocks, you know, over in this side of the room. And, she, and she'd take them around the room, you know, a certain amount of time here, and then, they, you know, we're going to read together over here or whatever. But it was to keep the kids from losing their minds and driving mom to lose her mind, okay? So you just station, station, station. It keeps everything going, keeps everybody entertained, keeps everybody happy. I'm not saying God has created structured playtime for you, but he's designed every context you ever find yourself in in your life. Your family, where you go to school, where you work, where you retire to, all those places are little stations that God says, I've already prepared good works for you to do in this station. I know what you're supposed to do according to your gift mix, according to your personality. I've got stuff for you to do that are good, virtuous, generous works that push back against the kingdom of darkness here, wherever you are. That's what God has pre-planned for you and for me so that we would walk in them, so that, so that we'd have a lifestyle of it, not so that we'd dabble, not so that we'd, you know, graze, so we'd walk in them. We'd develop the lifestyle of it. Now, good works, there's, there's good works that you can just do anywhere, wherever you are, man, okay? So, like, parents, you, you, you know this, you serve your kids. Kids, you should serve your parents. You should, you should. it's good practice. It's the first good place to start. But, of course, you should also, if you're a student, you should look out, maybe it's even especially hard now because so much stuff is, you should look out for other students that maybe, you know, they're not feeling connected or whatever. We begin to serve right where we are. Maybe for you, wherever you are, you've got this thing where you, you're, you're good at inviting people over or you're good at bringing people meals. Some of you, I, I know you're good at that because you've brought us meals. Wherever you are, it's those kinds of whatever kind of good works. But we have to clarify what it doesn't mean. It doesn't just mean, well, you know, I say hi to people. I'm generally a compassionate person and I feel loving thoughts toward others. Let me tell you what Jesus says about that. He says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that? For even sinners do the same. Yeah, Jesus is saying, saying hi isn't a thing. That's not a kingdom thing. That's a human thing. Like holding the door. No, that's not a kingdom. He says, everybody already does that. I'm looking for good works. I'm looking for kingdom representing virtuous things for my people to do. And while it's definitely everywhere, it's also, according to scripture, it's in the local church also. This is why it says, uh, where are we at? Take me to Romans. Romans 12, 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. The context of that passage is God's giving everybody spiritual gifts for the building up of the body of Christ. Use them. God wants us to use our spiritual gifts 
to make these things happen for others. And there's been study after study. I've, I've told you about some of these studies before, but there's more and more and more all the time. The thing that makes Christians actually grow within a local church, there's, there's only a few that are like, oh my gosh, that really helped me grow. And one of them is sacrificially laying down our lives, deprioritizing what we would have prioritized in order to prioritize serving God by serving his people. That is a spiritual growth catalyst that causes us to grow spiritually, unlike most other things. So in a few minutes, we're going to go out to the hall. And we have this thing called a ministry fair. And we, and we do this, you know, every 12 to 18 months. And I need you to understand what you're looking at when we go out there, okay? Now, some of you, you already serve, and, and that's wonderful. Maybe you can cheer everybody else on. But if you don't serve, there's no pressure to serve. But I just want you to know what you're seeing out there. Okay, it's really, that's a, it's a demonstrate. It's, it's not the golden corral, Okay. It's not, you know, you go to the Golden Crown, you can just, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And honestly, it doesn't even matter if you don't take anything because it does, they have all this food. It's just here. Whether you're there or not, the food is there. That's not what that is. What that is, is our problems as a church. That's where we need help. I'm not saying, oh, this, oh yeah, this would be nice. This would be a little bit. No, that's what we need to do in order to do the things. In order to bring the kingdom, we already have problems in those areas that could be solved by humans who want to do good works in Christ's name. Are, are we hearing this? It's not, it's not, it's not just, well, it doesn't really matter. If it's out there, it matters. All right, can, can we hear that? So I don't know if you ever had this, but I remember this situation when I was in grade school. And I, you know, I, I was not getting a particularly good grade in social studies. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill it on this next assignment, okay? So I go home, and you know, it's one of those, those nights you're at home, and you're like really working hard. You're in the books, and you're trying to get ready this assignment that's due tomorrow. And I come back the next day, and the teacher looks at my assignment. She says, wow, you did a chapter ahead of where we are. We're not, that's not even the chapter. Like, you did the wrong assignment. And as a little kid, that just, it's like a sinking feeling of like, are you serious? Like, it's a good life lesson. Like, pay attention. But you, you know what I'm, you, can you imagine that sinking feeling of, I did the wrong thing? I don't want to frighten you, but I really believe a lot of people are going to roll up to heaven's gates. And Jesus is going to say, come on in because you trusted in my salvation. But there's also going to be a conversation of like, wow, I had assigned this. This was the assignment. And it seems like you made it about a whole bunch of other things, but not this. Didn't you see, that was like in my word a lot. You didn't see that? Like, that was there. So my friend's like, death is real and heaven is real, and standing before God is real. I, I, just, I just want to challenge all of us. Hey, let's just take inventory. Are we even you know, on the right page? Are we in the right assignment? That's a good thing to ask. Here's what used to be, and many of you are familiar with this. This was our mission statement. This is what we said. This is what we're going to do. We'd say, we're here to develop prevailing followers of Christ who walk with him step by step. And that was pretty good, but I'm kind of a wordy, smithy guy, and I never stay satisfied with how we language things. And so the word prevailing, like, I feel like I lose people right there. Like, they're like, prevailing, what is that? So I wanted to slim it down, and I wanted to make it a little bit easier. So here's our new, going forward, mission statement until a time when I get tired of this one and we'll change it again. We will love people toward increasingly centering their lives around knowing, trusting, and serving Jesus. We will love people toward one thing, centering their lives around Jesus, knowing, trusting, and serving him. 
That's the why I'm asking you to serve if you don't serve. That's the why. Because we need to do that. We need to love people toward knowing and centering their lives around Jesus, and we can't do it without your help. But everything out there is about that. Does that make sense? And we need to walk in them. And walk in them means long-term faithfulness. And long-term faithfulness kills the glam. Kills the glamour. There's something in us that for some of us, we're like, oh, I'll do that because, you know, that make me feel good about myself or maybe other people will notice. That would make me feel good. You know, long-term faithfulness is different than that because if you're going to be faithful long-term, there's going to be lots of seasons where nobody even knows. Nobody's paying attention at all. Only God is paying attention. And he wants to know, are you just going to keep doing this because I've asked you to? I think about people like Steve Yee. Back in the day, yeah, he's a hero. Back in the day, we were part of a young adult ministry and you know I was I was the leader I was the guy who was bringing the word and, and speaking into people and Steve would show up early every week and he'd help me set up chairs no one else wanted to come Steve came and he helped me set up chairs again and again and again and you see somebody's heart when they do that he's not in it for the glamour he's, he's not in it for anything other I love Jesus I want to help people and I remember praying during those times when I was younger praying you know investing in young people I said, oh God, would you send me someday, send me people to invest in my kids. One of my favorite people, or my kids' favorite people at Fierce Teens is Steve E. now, because he invests in my kids for the glam. I want to challenge you to not be in it for the glam and just stay long-term faithful wherever you are. You say, Carter, I don't know how that works for me. I don't know either. Another man that has really inspired me Kenzie's, that's my wife's grandfather. I didn't know him too long, too many years before he died. But one of the things that struck me about him, he's, he's this old man, dude. He's in his 80s, okay? And even so, he's walking around to his different contexts, okay? So he's got senior club, he's got church, and he's got his neighborhood. And really, by the time you're that age, yeah, I'm not trying to be morbid or anything, but a lot of the wives' husbands have died. Like, they're just gone, man. So Bob made it his ambition. I'm just going to go check in on all these gals. I'm, you know, I can't, he, he wasn't going to sprint there. You know what I'm saying? But he was going to go slow as he was making his way there. But he was going to, hey, do you need anything, anything I can fix for you? And that was so inspiring to me because I want to be doing that. Dude, I want to go out serving. I want to go out doing good works. I want to say, God, I got it. I understand this is what you want me to do. And we got to understand in order for us to do that, we've got to find problems and solve problems. How many believe that? Now, here's a few things that could stop you. We said glam, and what we mean is sometimes, and, and this might be in, in different ones' hearts, you're just a diva. Like, there's diva in your heart, okay? And, and that's okay to be there, but you got to kill it. you got to get rid of that thing, all right? Diva doesn't work, doesn't mix well with Jesus. Jesus is the star, Okay? And so sometimes people, they're so much of a diva, they can't just do something small. They're like, well, if I can't lead something or do something big, well, precious, how are we going to even know if you're talented or faithful or able to do the thing you want to do until you pick up a chair like Steve and just serve anywhere? Will you just serve because God wants you to? Is that enough? Can you just do it because God asked you to? Like, that would be good. Another one, though, might be, hey, I'm fearful. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to jack it up. I feel like everybody else knows what they're doing. I got to tell you a secret. Most of these clowns don't know what they're doing, okay? 
So you don't have to worry about that, man. I think really that's a faith step. That is saying, God, I trust me in your hands. And maybe there's some things you want to do, not only through me, but in me, which is also often true. So what are we going to do? We're going to love people toward increasingly centering their lives around knowing, trusting, and serving Jesus. We need to become a church that pushes back against consumerism and transforms into a different kind of church that is stirred up about good works just because Jesus is stirred up about good works. Now, here's the reality. To do that, we need almost 70% of the people that go here to get radical about serving. That means you're going to have to deprioritize some things and prioritize other things. And I don't know what that looks like for you, but I know there's a person named the Holy Spirit of God, and he knows what it looks like for you. And let me issue this one final challenge before we, before we close down. The Spirit of Jesus, you know the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, who comes to live inside of us. One of the beautiful things about the Holy Spirit is he transforms us, not only to start acting more like Jesus, but to actually want the things Jesus wants. He transforms our affections, meaning he will cause you to actually not only start to love people, but actually want to serve people because that's what Jesus would want to do. So here's the question. If you don't have something in you that is desiring to serve people, your spiritual doctor for a second, that's bad. Okay, that's bad. If you went to see a medical doctor and they said, hey man, there's something wrong with your circulatory system, you would know it's bad. I'm telling you, it's bad if your affections are not transformed in such a way that you want to serve people. It can only mean one of two things. It means, one, it's possible you're just not filled with the Holy Spirit. Like you just, I'm, I'm sorry, precious. He makes us want to serve people. And so, Maybe it's just, Jesus, I'm not accessing that part of your personality. Please fill me with your spirit so that I want what you want. More likely, there has been some point where he tried to cause you to want to serve people. And like all of us have the power to, you just said, no, not now. And here's the danger of that. Stunts your spiritual growth and stops up the ability to hear from God. See, God's not going to, direct people who take his direction as, you know, like a suggestion box. Like that's, he's the king. And so when he tells us something, we got to say, yes, sir, I will, you know, by your help, I will get right on that. So I don't know which one it is, but the spirit-filled life looks like serving. That's just what it looks like. So here's what we have. We have Jesus. We have all this stuff now that we can't even use because we don't have enough people. What we need is you. We need you for those who sense the spirit of God. Now, I know everyone's in a different situation. I don't know your situation. I'm not pretending I do. And maybe there are asterisks for everybody's life in some place or another. I'm not really trying to deal with that. All I'm saying is the general biblical value of I must do good works because God prepared them ahead of time and they're what I'm for. We need you to say yes in order for us to utilize all the things that we just acquired to make disciples into the future. I'm going to pray, and then some music is going to come on, and I'm just going to invite you to go out in the hall and just take a look and be led by the Holy Spirit of God as you do it. Let's bow our heads. God, I pray for a fresh filling of your spirit. I want to thank you for your word. I thank you for the direction that it brings. I thank you that it is an antidote to the consumerism of our time. And Father, in Jesus' name, 
not only in the church, but everywhere in our lives, would you show us the places maybe we need to get over ourselves, maybe we get focusing on ourselves, whatever, wherever it is, God, show us where to do these good works you're calling us to. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.